From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at preschool in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and the support students received, or in many cases didn't receive, when schools closed their doors. Just to focus on one high-needs group, children with individualized education plans, a quarter of them got no services at all when their classrooms closed. Even though there's a legal requirement, we have to do way better than that. We welcome Stephen Barnett, Senior Co-Director of the National Institute for Early Education Research and co-author of a new report examining the experiences of preschool students throughout the spring. Barnett discusses his team's findings and some important implications for early childhood policy, practice, and future research. This has to be systematic. We have to figure out how do we introduce continuous feedback mechanisms so that when we do slip and fall, we get back up uh, so that there is real accountability, that we don't magnify the inequalities that we, we know are here. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Stephen Barnett, uh, Senior Co-Director of the National Institute for Early Education Research, or NEAR, headquartered at the Rutgers University Graduate School of Education. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Oh, my pleasure. So today we're discussing NEAR's new report, which you co-authored with Kwang Hee Jung and Milagros Nores, titled Young Children's Home Learning and Preschool Participation Experiences during the pandemic. Uh, it's now available at nieer.org, and it offers a, a new look at children's preschool experiences and the kinds of support they either did or, in many instances, did not receive in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, to start, could you just set the scene for us a little bit? You know, Beginning in March, how were preschools and their students impacted by COVID-19, and what questions did you have that drove this line of inquiry? Prior to the pandemic, about 60% of, of three to five-year-olds, not yet in kindergarten, attended a preschool program. When the pandemic hit, virtually all the public programs closed, Head Start, public school, municipal. Uh, they shut down their classrooms anyway in March. Private programs were more likely to stay open, but most of them closed. Uh, we wanted to know what were the impacts of this on the learning experiences of young children from a, a child's perspective, from a parent's perspective. We wanted to know what supports programs continue to provide. And, and our goal was really to inform efforts to compensate for learning losses in the summer and fall and to improve remote supports going forward if, if classrooms remain closed. So between late May and early June, your team conducted a nationwide survey seeking to learn about children's experiences in the wake of those school closures. Uh, could you just give us a sense of the scope of your work um, and the kinds of things that you were hoping to learn from your respondents? We conducted an online survey. It's not necessarily families who had internet service, but they were given access uh, in order to do the survey. It's a nationally representative panel uh, children ages three to five, not yet in kindergarten, and a small sample of kindergartners that we analyzed separately. So almost a thousand families of these kids in the preschool age 
they're weighted for non-response because, of course, just because you start with a representative panel uh, doesn't mean that uh, a representative group responds. And um, then we ask some series of questions about what were they doing before the pandemic, what happened after the pandemic, what were the home learning supports, regardless of whether a child went to preschool. And we're very interested to find out how does this vary by the age of the child, race, income, parent education, region, type of program they were in. Uh, so really trying to take it apart and, and understand it. So let's jump into what you learned. Um, the most prominent finding, to me at least, seems to be that American preschools didn't provide adequate support to students in the admittedly chaotic transition from live to remote instruction. Um, can you expand on that finding a little bit? Sure, that, and that's exactly right. No one was prepared. Parents weren't prepared. Programs weren't prepared. Uh, every group suffered. There's not a lot of inequality in the, the consequences because they were so devastating for everyone, although those who were the worst off to start with ended up worse off after the pandemic. Preschool classroom participation went from 60% to less than 10%. For Hispanics, it went down to 3%. Most parents and children were provided with something, but too often it was minimal. And after a couple of months, about half of those whose classrooms had closed were receiving no remote support. The half that did get remote support most of them received supports less than once per week when we look at individual supports, whether it's video interaction with the teacher, listening to a story or reading, engaging in math activities, some kind of physical activity or games. 60 to 70 percent of parents reported that happened less than once a week. Meals, um, you know, schools provide more than just uh, academics and, and social experiences. We found meals were commonly provided. Even half the families with incomes below $20,000 a year didn't receive lunches from the programs whose classrooms had closed. You also learned quite a bit about students' home learning experiences and how parents responded in the wake of preschool closures. Uh, could you walk us through what you learned there? Well, we learned uh, several things about what happened with parent activities. We asked about normal parent activities that would happen with or without classroom closures. We also asked about parent and child activities related to remote supports. Uh, we asked some questions the same way they're asked in, in large national ongoing surveys so we could compare them to uh, pre-pandemic levels of home learning activities. And uh, it's hard to know whether this is good news or bad news that activities like reading to children, they didn't get worse, but they didn't get better. Storytelling was much more frequent, uh, but singing songs and engaging in things that parents thought of as teaching activities actually went down. Uh, not a lot, but clearly parents are not compensating for lost learning opportunities. Uh, few children received supports from their programs that had closed classrooms every day. Uh, even just 10 to 25% got them several times per week. Uh, if there's any good news here, it is that programs that serve children of color, low-income kids, they tended to do a better job of this, but still we're not reaching more than half the kids or even half. So in thinking about 
the implications of your work here, um, it seems that there might be two threats to be concerned with. Um, for starters, do you think young students may suffer either academically, socio-emotionally, or both as a result of these closures and uh, the lack of support that your respondents reported? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, we know that learning time matters. Uh, that duration, number of days that kids go to school uh, matter. Uh, the early years set a foundation for later success. And they lost out on academics. I think it's reasonable to think their mental and physical health declined due to lack of out-of-home experiences and, and just being locked down, stresses that their parents were under, and socialization opportunities declined. So you add all that up, and children will not do as well unless we are somehow able to compensate for that. In addition to the missed learning opportunities, children's screen time is at scary levels. Very few children meet the AAP guidelines of less than an hour a day. Many children are two, three, four times or more uh, the AAP guideline at the American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, just to focus on one high-needs group, children with um, individualized education plans, a quarter of them got no services at all when their classrooms closed, even though there's a legal requirement. Uh, 40% of them had less than full services, but got something. We have to do way better than that. So on that point, uh, my second question was going to be, do you think we've done enough or are we doing enough to address some of these issues and effectively support students beginning as early as this fall? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think we haven't done enough. And the, there's a good question why. Sure, we weren't prepared, but the small amount of kindergarten data that we have suggests that we did much better with kindergarten children than we did with preschoolers, even when the preschoolers were served by the public schools. And, and that suggests that we're just not taking that as seriously as for older kids. Uh, and that's a big problem. Schools are going to be challenged to deliver adequate services this fall to school-age children. The younger the child, the more difficult it gets to provide adequate remote supports. Uh, some schools will open face-to-face. -face. Uh, some schools have very detailed and rich plans for preschool. But even with those, will it really happen? Much of what's planned shifts responsibility, costs, and other burdens to parents and even to, on the child care programs. Where Schools will be closed, but they'll have childcare options. Well, how well is that going to work? Who pays for that? What are the consequences? Uh, what if parents are worn out <laughs> two months in? You've got another seven months of school. Does this work if you're homeless or moving around? I, I heard a report today, 3,000 kids in one of our cities in New Jersey uh, are in motels and, and weren't being provided services by the schools be, because they, they didn't have contact information. I know other places are, are doing a much better job at that, but this has to be systematic. We have to figure out how do we introduce continuous feedback mechanisms so that when we do slip and fall, we get back up uh, so that there is real accountability and that we don't 
magnify the inequalities that we, we know are here, that we already knew, and, and our survey just reinforces uh, the evidence that homes are much more unequal than schools. And, and if schools are hampered in doing their job or, or somehow fall down, that's going to be a negative for our entire society, but especially for those that it's designed to, to most improve opportunities for. And finally, I mean, unfortunately, as we all know, um, we're not anywhere near out of the woods yet. Um, so I'm wondering if you think there are opportunities here for future research, um, either for your team or others who are attempting to examine the impacts of the pandemic on preschool aged children. Well, it's, it's certainly evident that the pandemic exposes many of the fault lines in, in new ways uh, in our society and uh, illuminates problems, creates new ones. Uh, there are a lot of challenges to be solved. Uh, researchers can play an important role in doing that. Uh, there's going to be a need to, for continuous learning. Uh, a lot of people are doing a lot of new things. Uh, the best way to get better at that is to collect data systematically and use it. Uh, we want to repeat our survey with some modifications this fall and spring. Uh, bringing in the child and, and parent perspective, what's happening to them is critically important. I think studies of mental and physical health, as well as the, the academic and social side of schools, are going to be important. But I am concerned that if we, we also don't get in gear in the research community, uh, that we're not going to have the studies of systematic variation or careful experimentation from which we can really learn about how to better serve children and families. Well, this is truly intriguing and certainly timely research, Steve, and um, we encourage our listeners to go read the full report. Um, again, it's titled, Young Children's Home Learning and Preschool Participation Experiences During the Pandemic, and it's, avow- it's available now at nieer.org. Uh, Stephen Barnett, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest a future topic, you can find us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub.